with your words, O God. For as the scripture said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee, Lord God. Help us not to sin against thee, O God. But help us, Lord God, to look to you from whence cometh our help, O God. Father God, we love you tonight, Lord God. We love you with all our hearts, O God. We love you with all our minds, O God. And Father God, we want to continue to serve you because you alone, O God, you alone are worthy to be praised, O God. And Father God, we ask you, Lord God, I continue to use us, continue, Lord God, for your glory. O God, touch every person in this place, O God, from the young person to the older person, Lord God. O God, those that are in between, O God, touch them all tonight, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to develop a love for you like never before, Lord God. Help us to develop, O God, a love and a hunger and thirst of righteousness. For you said that he that hunger and thirst of our righteousness shall be filled, O God. We want to be filled with thy word, O God. O God, we want to fill with more love, O God. We want to fill with more compassion, O God. We want to fill, O God, with everything that you have in store for us, O God. Fill us up, O God, and let it overflow, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you continue to speak to our hearts. O God, speak to our minds, O God. Use us like never before, O God. And as we worship you tonight, we ask you to continue to speak to us. O God, use us like never before. O God, we ask you to open up doors for us like never before, O God. Remove anything, Lord God, that is standing in the midst of us and you, Lord God. O God, if it's sin, help us to move it out in the name of Jesus. Help us to lay aside everything, O God, and with all nothing, O God. For truly, Lord God, we love you, Lord God. And as you say, we should cast all our cares upon you, for you care for us, O God. We love you, Lord God, tonight. We give you all the glory. Lord God, we give you all the honor for your great and your greatly to be praised. Oh God, have your way among us tonight, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, oh God. Speak to our minds, oh God. We love you. Oh God, I pray and ask you to continue to bless our churches, oh God. Our churches in this district, oh God. Our church international, oh God. Touch our pastors and their families and their home, oh God. Bless us and continue to open up doors for us, oh God. We give you all the glory and all the honor as we worship you tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, church. Let's just give the Lord a wonderful applause tonight. Let's just praise him tonight because he's worthy to be praised. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My pleasure to hand over to the bishop in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, Lord everybody. Praise the Lord, saints. Okay. <laughs> Our Hallelujah. God is good, he's great, and he's greatly to be praised. The scripture tells us to know them that labor among us and are over us in the Lord, and admonish us. We are to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among ourselves. Um, today is Jordan's and Peyton's birthday. It is also Brother Wayne's birthday in a few minutes. <laughs> it will be his birthday in a few minutes. We can call it a few minutes. Okay? So tonight. We're going to sing Happy Birthday. It's, a, it's our chorus tonight to begin our uh, Bible, stu <laughs> Bible study. <laughs> sing with me if you know this chorus. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you... 
Okay, brother, we put tomorrow, but it's it's <laughs> made me all the years that come. Be all the best for you, brother, and your children. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love our church. I love our church. Amen. We have a good time in the Lord. And I like it like that. Amen. Long time ago, a lot of people um, did not want to serve the Lord because they thought serving the Lord was not interesting and it was not fun. And it's probably unfortunate they were watching the wrong people. Because <laughs> if you watch the right people, you will see that serving the Lord is it's a good time. Serving the Lord is profitable. And it's not boring. If you will just continue to seek the Lord, you will realize there's so much depth to the Lord. And you'll never really come to the end of the Lord. You can't. Um, So whenever he becomes boring to you, it means you have probably became a little slack and lackadaisical in seeking him out. So that's kind of what happens there. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. He alone is worthy. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. So good to be with you and to share the word of God. Amen. I'm looking forward to the word of God tonight. Amen. I am. I am. I am. God is speaking to his people and he's speaking to his people, not just us here in this local congregation, But he's speaking to his body, the church of the living God. And those of us that will uh, be in tune, we are going to hear or have heard and will continue to hear what God is saying. But he's speaking to us. And if we will uh, pay attention, if we will seek him, we will hear. And tonight you will hear from the Lord before you leave here. Amen. 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 I I was fortunate to, um, whichever way you want to look at it, I don't know if that's the right word, but I attend uh, Sister Pegler's service today, virtually, I, I, I wasn't able to make it in person, but virtually I was able to tune into the service today and be a part of um, the funeral service. And um, um, just sad, uh, it just reminded me how, much, how, many, how many losses we've had, Sister Janice, this year. And I, when I think about it, I just shake my head. It's just nothing you can do about when you lose people, nothing you can do. You don't have nothing that you can actually do, you know. When you see a bad situation, you want to help and you're like, how do I help? And if it's a situation that's, you know, where people are still living, there's usually something you can do sometimes to help. But when someone died, there's nothing any of us could do. We, we don't have anything to make it any better. And so that's what I thought about today, just um, watching the funeral today. And um, so many people miss Sister Phyllis. The other day, I think it was Nanny that asked um, Jordan. If he remembered Sister Phyllis, she showed him um, Sister Phyllis picture and say, you remember this lady? And he says, oh, oh, yeah. Guess how you remembered her? She used to give me candy and told me not to tell my parents. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So he, he squealed on Sister Phyllis. He squealed on the woman is the woman is gone and you're squealing on her all these years. Kept the secret. Kept the secret. Sister Phyllis gave him candy and told him not to tell his parents. 
But all of us that know Sister Phyllis, that's, that was the way she showed her love. She showed her love by giving. And so just, uh, just sad. And, I, you know, I saw her husband today, and I'm just like, man, love that guy. Such a nice guy. And, man, just pray for the Peglers family. I was tough to see today and continue to pray for the Wood family and the Wynn family. Um, as we mentioned, Sister Wood and Brother Wood lost uh, their mother um, recently and his funeral was this past Sunday. So we've suffered a lot of loss this year and um, we just have to trust the Lord with all of it because there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles or you want to look on with us. Uh, if you will turn with us to Ephesians last week, I said Galatians. Yeah, we were showing Ephesians on the board, but I was saying Galatians. You don't remember that? And nobody said anything. Man, you guys, you, you, you don't let people think we're preaching false doctrine in this church. They looking on and they're you know viewing virtually and they, they might be saying, why does the preacher keep saying Galatians, but they're showing Ephesians? What's going on in that church? Come on, hold me accountable. I don't care if I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying. You might, you might say, I know what you're saying, preacher, but that's fine. Just, just, just make sure you correct it so everyone could be on the same page. So we're all on Ephesians this week? All right, we're all on Ephesians this week. So nobody is letting me say Galatians when it's really Ephesians. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 13, we're going to get into tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. The word of God says in verse number 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Another one of my memory verses back in, uh, it wasn't Sunday school, I think it was discipleship class years ago. Don't, I don't forget them. Amen. Let's continue our series tonight in talking about a blessed and privileged people. We've been talking about a blessed and privileged people and if we are the children of God, born again of the warden of the spirit and endeavoring to obey God and following his teachings, then we are a blessed and privileged people. Tonight, we're going to be specific of how blessed and privileged we are. And we're going to talk about our standing in Christ. Our standing in Christ. Jesus, you're wonderful. You are amazing. You're so loving, so kind. You're glorious. You're majestic. You're sovereign. Oh God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. 
We're grateful, Lord God, to know who you are and that you are our God and our Lord. And you reign over us, Lord. We're thankful that we can be called the children of the Most High God and that we have this, oh God, life in you. Tonight, Lord God, we humble ourselves and ask that you take charge, Lord God, in all that will transpire here tonight. We're looking to you. We want your spirit to have preeminence. We want your will to be done. We want, oh God, for you to in, just, just put in us what we need that we will leave here with something we did not come with. I pray, Father, that you will impart to us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But more than all of that, Lord God, I pray that there will be a passion. I pray, Lord God, that there will be conviction. I pray, Lord God, that there will be a stirring in our soul to say, Lord, I will do your will. Lord, I will go forward. Lord, I will trust you. We give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our standing in Christ. For centuries, soldiers and warriors have marched into battle. Although nations and lands represent themselves differently in battle, one thing is common. That one thing is armor. Somebody say armor. Even today, body armor is standard equipment for soldiers preparing for battle. Yet, to be effective, the armor must be matched not just to the soldier, but also to the circumstances. Mm -hmm. A great battle was coming. The army of Israel had been deployed to the battlefield. The army of the Philistines camped on the opposite side of the hillside. The valley between would soon become the site of a great battleground. Day by day, soldiers from each side arrived. Both commanders gathered their armament, assessed the situation, and sought counsel from their generals on when and how to strike. But the Israelite king, Saul, was moody. He was dispirited. He seemed overwhelmed by the odds and was perhaps especially vulnerable to the taunts of the Philistine champion Goliath. I stop there for a second and tell you this. Anytime you become a little antsy, a little dispirited, uh, when you begin to become overwhelmed about situation, can I tell you this? And hopefully you hold on to this. It means your standing with God might not be what it needs to be. Anytime situations begin to arrive, 
challenges are there. And you begin to allow, or it's just one of those deals. Not even that you allow it, but you just start to feel yourself being overwhelmed, dispirited, and moody. It's probably because your standing with God is not what it needs to be. So instead of start worrying and getting antsy and getting worried and concerned about the situation, how about you just say to yourself, God... If I'm this anxious, I'm not in the right place with you. And you stop right at that moment and find a place to pray and begin to talk to Jesus. If I don't say anything else tonight, I just gave you some good advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Day after day, this gigantic brute appeared in the valley, taunting the king and his army. Goliath stood nearly 10 feet tall. He was clad from head to toe in bronze armor, weighing some 125 pounds, and carried a massive spear, the tip of which weighed about 15 pounds. He was fearsome indeed. This giant of a man challenged Saul or any man in the Israelite camp to a single combat, but none would face him. In time, a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, David, the son of Jesse, arrived in the camp to deliver supplies. That's that's what David was there for, to deliver supplies. The lad was incensed. Man, this got me. David was incensed. That this enemy of God's people could leave such bold threats without receiving any answer. So what David came and saw was this giant, this, this Philistine giant just, just making fun and, and threatening the army of Israel and none moved with any kind of incense or none was at the point where they were just like, are you kidding me? Why are we letting this happen? We're the people of God. They all backed down from Goliath and this little lad. I don't care how long I've been living for God. You've been hearing me say this. I want to still feel the newness. I want to still feel the newness. Like, like I haven't been living for him that long because when we, when we allow ourselves to get so mature, as we like to call it, in God, we, we take a lot of things for granted. We, we, we sit back and, 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 and we don't challenge ourselves and we, we don't go after the things that are trying to prevent us from being who God wants us to be. We don't have a fresh look on what's going on. I want a fresh look on what's going on. I don't want to see something over and over again to the point where I'm just like, that's just the way it is. I want a fresh look every time I look at a situation so I can say to myself, is this the way it's supposed to be or can I do something about it? And all the the army of Israel stood around for so long and watched Goliath talk smack and, and, and just was showing off. And his little lad came about and says, oh, how can we stand for this? Mm-hmm. 
We can't stand for this is basically what David is saying. At length, David convinced King Saul to let him challenge this titan. The king agreed on one condition. The boy would not go out unprotected. He must wear the king's own armor. What an honor. The king of Israel is saying, here's my armor, son. Put this on. The boy tried on the armor which covered the vulnerable areas of his body, yet he determined not to use it. Instead, he faced the Philistine armed only with a staff and a sling. Mm -hmm. When challenged by the giant, David replied, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. With that, he let the stone fly from his sling, killing the giant with one single shot. And so, ask yourself this question for what you know about this story. Did David go out into that valley into that war zone to kill Goliath. Did he go out there unprotected? <laughs> not at all! He did not go out there unprotected. Rather than relying on bronze or iron armor, David found his security in the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not have physical armor, but spiritual armor, and that allowed him to win a great Victory. Mm-hmm. 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 We as Christians have to understand we do need our armor. But our armor is not physical. Our armor is not bronze and big helmets and big belts and, and, and big iron shields. Our armor is the Lord. It's spiritual. It's not physical. As Christians, we are in a battle. Conflicts will come to all members of the body of Christ, not just ministers only, but also saints of God. No one is left out of conflict. And in this battle, we have an enemy. Satan is not satisfied to, to just destroy ministry. He wants the saints as well. So Satan is not just satisfied. Hear me closely. He's not just satisfied in, 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 not, in making you ineffective in being a Christian. He wants to make you ineffective. So in, in his mind, I want to get you to not do anything as a saint of God. And then as, as when I can get you to not do anything, then the next thing is, I want to destroy you, annihilate you, sift you as wheat, destroy you. So the first thing Satan want to do to all of us is make us irrelevant, make us not do anything in the church, make us just, just, just being blown by the wind like a chaff in the wind, like a wave on a seashore. He wants us to do nothing, and while we're wondering doing nothing, he wants to come and annihilate us and destroy us. That's what he wants to do. So he don't destroy you first. That's not what he does. He can't destroy you first. He first try to get you to have no impact. 
to do nothing, to be ineffective and just going about your ways, just showing up for church service and do nothing. He wants to get you right there. And then once he gets you right there, he feels like he has his best shot to now take at you, to destroy you. That's how he operates. Uh huh. Satan is not satisfied to just stop you from doing ministry. He wants to destroy you. When believers are tried by Satan, in order to win the victory, they must first recognize the source of their strength. God will give us strength for the battle. Believers need to know that God can make them strong enough to win, strong enough to defeat Satan. In the battle, we must stand. Huh. So we don't have time to, to, to just take our time, be easy, and just, just chill. Because guess what? As long as you're seated, as long as you're seated, you are not going to win the battle that way. You have to stand to win the battle. Mm -hmm. We must not quit or give up. Instead of looking at ourselves or at the enemy or our circumstance, we must look to the Lord. Jesus has already won the victory. Strength is already available. Our strength comes from the Lord. We are to be strong in the Lord. The battle will be difficult at times, tensed and burdened with danger. Some, listen to me. Some may faint and become casualties. Do you want to be a casualty in this battle? Okay. But some will. Some will. Some will. But if the believer can be properly trained and equipped with the proper weapons, then the victory is certain. The victory is assured. So if us as believers can be properly trained and equipped with the proper weapons, we are assured victory in Jesus' name. Stand is the key word in this entire passage. To do this, we must know our enemy. Satan is a deceitful adversary. We forget about him a lot because he works in the background. Mm -hmm. He is described in Ephesians 2 and 2 as the prince of the power of the air. And in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 as the god of this world. Satan's sphere of influence is twofold. The, the, the air, which is spiritual realm, and this world, earthly realm, right now he rules over the demons and the sinners of this world. Only through the new birth can a person be delivered from the power of Satan and translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't like to agree with this or even have a problem with this. But if we're not born again and walking in Christ, the devil has more influence in your life than you do and anyone else does. Not even God has the influence like the devil does in your life if you're not born again and walking by faith. I know we want to feel like the devil, devil can the, the devil not ruling over me. Huh. We want to believe that. 
But if Jesus ain't ruling over you, then who's ruling over you? If Jesus is not ruling over you, who is ruling over you? Uh-huh. The devil has certain wiles that we must avoid and withstand. Wiles mean cunning craftiness or strategies. The devil has a plan of action to try. Somebody say try. Try to defeat God's plan. His purpose is to sneer men by tempting them with lies and deceitful lusts. Regardless of the attacks and hardship that come into our lives, we must remember one key fact. God has no rivals and he has never lost a battle. God has no rivals and he has never lost a battle. So if you're looking for somebody to rule over your life, it's not you. Because you have lost some battles. It's not the devil because he's already defeated. And so if you want somebody or someone to rule over your life, you better look to Jesus. Because everybody else that will rule over your life, whether it be you or the devil or somebody else, they have lost some battles. And God ain't never lost a battle. Uh Uh-huh. The devil is not God's opposite. Don't ever say good, bad, God, the devil. Please don't do that because the devil is not God's opposite. The devil is already defeated. Not only has Jesus Christ defeated the devil both on earth and in the heavenlies, Jesus desired to share that victory with his church. Uh Uh-huh. The church can now carry on the work of Jesus Christ in the earth, knowing the devil cannot stop it or prevent it. We, as the church, the body of Christ, because Jesus Christ has already defeated our foe, has already defeated our enemy, now that we are the body of Christ, now that we are the church of the living God, if we will bind together and do what God says, the devil can't do anything about it. We don't have to worry about it. This is why it's so important to get going and serve the Lord, because the Lord will never allow the devil to stop you from doing his will, because the Lord has never lost the battle. So when we begin to do the will of God, the devil can't stop it. The devil can't stop. The devil don't like me. And those of you who decide to serve God, he don't like you. But all he can do is sit back and hope one day you walk away from God. That's all he's doing. He's sitting back. He's trying to make you ineffective and then trying to get you to walk away from God. He's sitting, waiting at your door. If I can just get them to walk away from God. Because he can't do anything with you while you are standing in God. To be victorious in this battle, we need to be filled with the spirit so God can work in our lives like spiritual armor. As believers become aware of the spiritual enemy facing them, they should employ all the armor of the Lord to realize the triumph already available in their own personal lives. No piece of this armor can be left out. So when you read the scripture and it tells you about all the armor of God, we don't want to use some of the armor and leave off some of the armor. We need to utilize every piece. Remember what I always say about God. God don't tell us to do something and it's meaningless. Us as people can, can do things and say things and it, it really didn't have any significance. But whatever God says, all of it is significant. 
So if God gave us armors to put on, then we need to utilize all the armors. We cannot utilize some of it and leave off some of it. We have to use all the armor. Somebody say all the armor. Every piece is necessary if victory is to be assured. Uh-huh. Each piece worked together to provide maximum protection to defend against the attacks of Satan. I'll say that again. Each piece works together to provide the maximum protection to defend against the attacks of Satan. The purpose of this spiritual armor is to enable us to stand. <laughs> In the armors listed in Ephesians 6, five items are for our protection. They're all defensive. And one is for attack, meaning offensive. The purpose for taking this armor is to withstand in the evil days. Are we living in evil days today? In these days, we're calling evil good and good evil. We know that across our world, uh, here is something to think about. Huh. With all the restriction that's being placed um, on, on the communities for safety reasons, I'm all for it. Uh, got to do what we got to do. But here's my only problem. Church is listed in one of the different levels. So whatever levels they have, whatever colors they have, however they do it, they list church in one of them. Now you tell me what compares with the church. Nothing compares with the church. So for every state across this country, when they do restriction, church need to stand all by itself because there is nothing like the church. Unfortunately, we are lumped in with some groups. I think sometimes they have us with movie theaters. I think sometimes they have us with restaurants. I think sometimes they have us with gyms. I th just different things that we are, we are heaped in, 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 in together with, with some other entities. And in my mind, I'm like, Governor, I love you. But the bottom line is, we stand alone. Now, I appreciate our governor. He's been good to the church, in my opinion. He hasn't put a lot of restriction because California and New York had did some crazy things uh, against the church. Uh, New Jersey governor has been pretty good with us. But I still say the church stands by itself. We should not be connected with anything else. The evil day is the present that we are in today. The present evils of this world with its trials and difficulties, including moral and supernatural dimensions. It is a day of trial and testing, but also a day to prove the power of God. Remember I told you, if nobody gets sick, then God can't show that he's a healer. If nobody is a sinner, God can't show that he's a savior. If nobody don't hurt, God can't show that he can make things well again. So there, there has to be some bad times, what we would call bad times, in order for God to show what he can do. And so the Bible says we're sin abound, grace abound that much more. So what God is trying to tell us, uh, that my children, don't you worry about what you see going on, because I got the power to make everything turn around and be something different and be for your good. But if it's not happening, how will you know what I can do? How will you know? If 
the children of Israel never became slaves and, 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 and servants to, to the Egyptian, how would they know Jehovah was a deliverer? How would they know? They wouldn't have known him as a deliverer if they weren't in slavery, if they weren't bound. They wouldn't know. If, if we never get sick, we wouldn't know he can heal. If we were never lost, we wouldn't know he can save us. So we should not get so concerned about the things that are bad, the things that, that we go through, because some of it is for the glory of God. I know that's hard for us to understand, but some of the things that we're going through, it can be for the glory of God. It can be that people will come to the understanding of how powerful our God is, of who our God is. But we have to understand that we have to trust him in all of this. The armor provides the ability to withstand the enemy, to stand against all opposition, no matter what. No matter how great the opposition, withstand means to defend territory that has already been taken and to take new territory. So when we're here, here is what is going on as, as children of God. God, if, if you're saved, if you're born again today, it means that God, you, you now belong to God. You are, you are God's possession. You are God's territory. And so when you get saved, you belong to God. And now you are helping God uh, reach others that belong to God as well, but they're not yet in the fold. And so when we get saved, what we're doing through the power of God is, is, is make sure we withstand and keep ourselves from being pulled back into where we were put, brought from and help God reach others. That's what we're doing. The armor provides ability to withstand the enemy. Uh-huh. In both cases, the armor helps bring down the opposition or the, oppo the opposing forces. We have done all we can when we equip ourselves with every available item for both defense and offense. When we have applied every truth we know and prayed every prayer we can pray, after this, we must take our stand on what God has promised us. God desires that every believer will maintain the ground taken and remain victorious. It breaks God's heart. When we become born again of the water of the Spirit, God revealed himself to us. God has blessed us. And then one day we decide, I'm going back from where God brought me from. It breaks his heart. It breaks his heart when we make up in our mind to surrender to Jesus and we repent of our sins and we get baptized in his name and we're filled with his spirit. We are to hold on to our faith and continue down the path that God has taken us and not allow ourselves to go back from where God has brought us. Because if where we were before God brought us was so good, we would have never went where God was taking us. We should resist Satan and give him no place to gain back what he has lost. We ought to mock him. Devil, you thought you had me. You thought I was going to hell with you. You thought I was going to be doing all the evil that you do for the rest of my life. But guess what? I met Jesus. And when I realized who Jesus is, I repented of my sins. Oh, I was baptized in his name. He washed away all my sins. He filled me with his spirit. And now I walk by faith. And I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm endeavoring to live a holy and righteous life. Devil, what can you 
me. My God has me. Jesus has me. And devil, you don't have me. We must take action daily by being renewed in the Holy Ghost, which is like suiting up ourselves with the armor. Spiritual armor gives us protection. Let's look, take a look at our spiritual armor. Let's look at the first armor. The first armor. Fasten the belt of truth around your waist. The first armor is the belt of truth. This belt, also called a girdle, girt your loins with truth. That's what it says in the scripture, right? Also called a girdle was, was about six inches wide, probably made of leather. It held together the clothing under, under, underneath all as well as holding the other pieces of armor in place. To have truth as a girdle that binds all other armor provides freedom of motion to fight the enemy unhindered by personal doubt and guilt. When you're walking in truth, doubt and guilt, they don't have any place in you. When you're walking in truth, you're free. And you shall know the truth. When you're walking truth, you're free. You're not hindered by anything. Uh-huh. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers the vital organs of the body from wounds that could be immediately fatal to us. This armor is our right standing with God to protect ourselves from a fatal blow. We must make right decisions every day and to take the right actions in the face of temptation, adversity, and disappointment. This breastplate called righteousness we put on by obedience through faith. The third piece of the armor is likened to the hobnail sandals of the Roman soldier, which gave him protection for his feet and better footing, especially in close-range combat. This enabled him to stand and withstand the enemy's attack. The shoes of the Christian warfare are the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is like shoes, boots. That keep you keep your feet steady. That keep your feet right. When you when you when you when you decide to 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 walk in the gospel, to share the gospel, to live out the gospel, your feet is solid. Your footing is sure. Hmm. In this context, the word preparation can refer to two things: to be prepared for anything, instant, in season, out of season, or to be prepared in one spirit and heart by the peace that the gospel brings. Since we, as Christians, have peace through the gospel, we can become ambassador of peace and take the gospel and its blessing of peace to the whole world. The only way our world will experience peace, sure, is if everybody decides to live according to the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. So when you see Jesus, you see the gospel. And the Bible says he is the prince of peace. And so if the world will experience peace, they're going to have to experience Jesus. There is no other way to experience peace. So no matter what we do, no matter how many meetings we have, no matter how many come together we have, I don't care what president and what prime minister get together, you will not experience peace unless you adopt the gospel in your life. Because the gospel is Jesus, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Mm. 
I love the Lord. I love his word. Living and sharing the gospel will bring peace. Living and sharing the gospel will bring peace. Remember his crucifixion? Peaceful man. They wanted him to get things stirred up. Bible says never said a mumbling word. Peaceful man. Our God is peaceful. The shield of faith. The shield of faith. This shield of the Roman soldier covered most of the body and was mobile enough to turn in any direction to block the blows of the enemy. I got to tell you, of all the armor that God talks about here, my two favorite is the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Give me those two. Now, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to put them all, all on. But, you know, I'm, going to, I'm just going to use those two mostly. I'm sorry. Woo. You, know, you know how we are. We, 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 we bias. We got our likings. And so while I'm going to put on all the armor, the two that you probably see me use a whole lot is, is faith and, and, and the word. But I'm putting on the whole thing, not leaving anything out, because i got to be righteous, i got to be truthful, I can't, can't be um, doing anything that's not right inside of God. So, the sides of the shield were designed to interlock with the other shields of fellow warriors. The soldiers could lock their shield together and march to, toward the enemy as one body. Remember, the natural always represents the spiritual. So you learn the natural and then you can envision what the spiritual looked like. So maybe I need to say that again. The soldiers could lock their shields together and march toward the enemy as one body. So let me say it in the spiritual. The Christians could come together in unity and they can destroy enemy, any enemy that come against them. So when we come together as the body of Christ in, and use faith, nothing can defeat us. This shield called faith is to have the knowledge of who God is and what he can do. It is to have complete trust and reliance upon God. Faith can defeat whatever the enemy can throw at us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether an attack comes as a thought, a suggestion, or a word from someone Satan is using for his purpose, faith can defeat its influence. So what faith does is when someone tries to send you in a wrong direction, when someone tries to get you to start doubting, Faith says, I already know, so you will not convince me of anything else. Faith says, I am not going to doubt my God because I know who he is. Faith says, I have proven my God through the works I've done, and I've seen the results he said I would get. So when you come with your nonsense and you're talking crazy, I'm going to have the shield of faith saying, I know God, and I believe him, and I rely on him, and I trust him. Uh-huh. 
Because if the devil can send somebody your way and get you to start doubting and get you to start wondering, oh my God, sometimes uh, we, we're in a place where we're, we're starting to speculate. Well, what about, what, what about? I want you to come, devil, and try to get, I don't have no what about because I know who Jesus is. And so you can't come to me with no stuff that don't line up with God's word. I know what God's word said. I know God's ways. I was with a guy last night, Tuesday night. We went to baptize somebody up the road, and we were talking, and 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 we were just sharing in in the word of God. And he said something. Now listen to me. This guy, he is not in an apostolic church, but I met him twenty something years ago, passing tracks out, and we passed tracks out to him. And the day we were going to encounter him, he told me this last um, um, Tuesday night when I saw him again. He says, I was on the bus. And the day before I encountered, the day when I encountered you, you and the guys that was out witnessing, he says, I was getting ready to get off the bus. And the Lord spoke to him and says, get ready for baptism. He met us that day and we shared the gospel and told him about baptism. Guess what? He called us up that, that Saturday evening, prepared for Sunday morning, asked us to pick him up. We went and picked him up, baptized him in Jesus' name. He's a minister in a church that don't teach all of this stuff. Twenty-something years ago. Since that time, he's still teaching that in that church. He has not left that church. He's teaching this word in that church. And ever so often, he called me up. Hey, brother. I said, what's going on, brother? I got another one. <laughs> and we just go get the other one baptized. He, he, I think he came here, I, I don't know, he visited here probably a couple months, few, more than a couple months because Corona wasn't around yet, I don't think. So he came and visited us not long ago. And so every time he, so he'd been witnessing the people and teaching them about one God, about, about having faith in God, about being baptized in Jesus' name and not in the titles that a lot of churches do baptize people in. And so when he called me the other day, I got one more. I said, so, so you're still in the church? He said, I'm still there, um, Reverend. I'm preaching the word of God. And when people see the revelation and they come to me, I show them revelation and I call you up and then I'll baptize them. And then, then he showed me a piece of paper. He said, you see this piece of paper? I said, yeah. He said, you see what that is? I said, he said, I wrote down how you baptize people. I wrote down what you say over them right before you baptize them. And so I write it down. He says, I've been baptizing people in the river. I've been baptizing people over here and over there. So when, 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 when it's hot outside and I can get someplace, I baptize them how you say it, how you do it. I said, well, it's the Bible, brother. But if you want to see that, that's fine. But it's the Bible. <laughs> so Tuesday, we baptize somebody. Send them back to their church. Church still don't baptize in Jesus' name, but my God, I just laugh how God does some things. He, he, he's got my brother there preaching the word, teaching one God, teaching baptism in Jesus' name, and everybody else, most of the people there, you know, they're believing something else. The church becomes unbeatable when individual faith joins in unity with the faith of the other members of the church. Somebody say amen. amen. The helmet of salvation protects the head. Satan's first level of attack is on the mind. 
He start messing with your mind. Start getting you going crazy in your mind. Satan's first level of attack is on the mind. Through evil thoughts, he can build strongholds that he uses to incite the imagination. And from there, he is able to control our actions. No aiming on that, huh? Oh, I, I got one that's right. But I didn't get no aiming on that one. I'm, I'm, I got to repeat that again. <laughs> Satan's first level of attack is on the mind. Through evil thoughts, he can build strongholds. What did I tell you strongholds are? Ungodly actions that we continue to do and justify. That's why it's a stronghold. Because you feel like you're justified by doing that wrong. And we can't justify any wrong before God. God is holy and righteous. So we can't say, God, don't you understand I had to do this because of blah, blah, blah. God, you see how hard life has been for me. God, you see what I'm going through. God, you see what I experienced when I was a kid. We can take all of those excuses to God. But God doesn't accept, accept any excuse for any wrong we do. Strongholds are wrong things we do and justify them. When you justify them, it means you're going to continue to do them. But the day you stop and say, God, I know this is wrong and there's no way I'm going to justify this. This that I'm doing is wrong and I will not justify it. But God, I'm struggling in this area. God, this this this, this thing that's in my life, I need to get it out and, and I keep on messing up. But I know I'm wrong. I know I'm sinning. Will you deliver me from this stronghold? That's how you do it. Don't, don't hide behind it. Don't go to God telling him, well, God, you understand. Well, God, you know. And he's going to tell you, no, I walked this earth. And when I walked the earth, I made no exceptions. I lived a holy and righteous life. And I never made excuses for anything. So don't tell him about excuses. He don't accept those things. Don't accept them. Mm-hmm. Salvation is a gift to be taken by those who believe. And it provides deliverance in the midst of of the battle. Salvation does more than deliver from the penalty of sin. It also protects from the power of sin. Ultimately, it provides the hope of the final work of redemption. We have to look at all the, 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 the power that salvation will, will, will just work in our lives and deliver us. There is nothing that you can be tied up in or, or bound by that God can't set you free from. There is no situation God cannot set you free from. There is no situation that God can't set you free from. There's no action in your life that God can't deliver you from. There is nothing that God can't set you free from. No matter what you think, no matter how long you've been struggling, if you want to be free, the Son of Man will set you free. For who the Son set free is truly free indeed. Help us tonight, Holy Ghost. And so we look at the final, final weapon, armor, the sword, the sword of the spirit. The Bible calls it the sword of the spirit, but it's the word of God. The word is rhema in Hebrew which referred to a specific truth.
the Spirit applies to a specific situation. Jesus displayed this use of God's word by quoting the written word to defeat the devil. In Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 10, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The only way to defeat Satan is that sword. You can't defeat Satan any other way. You can't defeat Satan by crying. You can't defeat Satan by running. You can't defeat Satan by shouting. You can only defeat Satan by the sword, the word of the Spirit. That's the only way you defeat him. That's how Jesus defeated him when Jesus walked this earth. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is a weapon that can bring conviction of sin and has been given to the Christian soldier by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. As the Spirit possesses the believer, he provides a sword to use against the devil. The Spirit makes the word of God effective as we speak it and receive it. The Spirit gives the word its penetrating power and sharp edge. Jesus' word in his temptation prompt our use of it against Satan. With the Holy Ghost within, believers have the constant reminder of God's word to use against Satan's temptation. When the enemy, the tempter, tries to tempt us to do evil, we have the power to send him away with the word of God. We need to study the word. We need to learn the word. We need to know the word of God. And so I close. Done. But I want to share something with you as I close tonight. I told you the other day, I sat in the back of the church and just talked to the Lord quite peacefully in the back. And I feel like he told me that as we're going into 2021, the most important thing that we need to make sure we exercise in our Christian walk is faith. He impressed upon my heart, if I'm understanding what I felt like the Spirit was doing, that there's going to be so many people are going to be in such desperate need for the miraculous in 2021 that they're going to fall prey to lying wonders, lying wonders. They're going to fall prey to things that they think is, is of God when it's not of God. So he, he put in my heart that faith is going to be essential. In 2021. Okay. Well, I'm, I can't, I'm not omnipresent. So I can't be everywhere all at once. So here is a, 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 a tongue and interpretation of tongue message that Brother Woodward posted on Facebook the other day. Raymond Woodward, quality man of God. 
we don't have to question who he is as a man of God and what he stands for. So if he puts something out there, it's solid as solid can be. So let me read uh, what the Lord said the other day to this congregation. Raymond Woodward said this, Marvin and Claudette Walker have led Faith Apostolic Church in Troy, Michigan for the past 20 years, but you may also know them from the years they have invested in leading Bible quizzing, Tupelo Children's Mansion, or Family Life Seminars. They are wonderful, godly people, and they know how to hear from God. This is a prophetic word given to Claudette Walker on Sunday, November 29th, 2020, for the body of Christ. I am amazed but not surprised at how closely it parallels with what the Lord spoke to our church on the same Sunday. So what this woman heard from God and spoke and interpreted what God said, God had said the same thing through tongues and interpretation in Brother Woodward's church. So there's two different congregations that God is saying kind of the same thing to. Ready? Here's what God said. My precious children, I would say unto you today that I understand that you do not understand. I feel your confusion. I feel your heaviness. You have cried out to me, but many of the things that you have asked of me, I have denied. I understand that this is difficult for you. My call unto you today, my children, is to trust me. I am asking you to trust me. I have you in a spiritual gym. I am adding weights to the barbells each day. This is not because I am uncaring father, but because I am a loving father. I know how strong your spiritual muscles must be to endure these last days. So I add more weights to the barbell. Your faith muscles must exert and become stronger to flight and to stand in the day when the spirit of the Antichrist is exponentially increasing every day. The war is raging, my children. And I am preparing you to become victors. Do not despise the process that I am putting you through. I am causing you to lift heavy weights. Every time that you lift the weight and declare my word in spite of how you feel, your faith in me grows. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So I urge you to bathe yourself every day in my word. To cling to my word. Speak my word in spite of what you see. And your faith will grow. You will not only make it through these last days, but you will be strong and you will do exploits. I am not pampering you. I must not coddle you, but I must train you. My coming is nigh, even at the door. Yet before I come, there will be a great outpouring of my spirit. I am preparing you to bear the weight of my glory. Stand against these evil spirits that come against you, my children. Although I allow heaviness upon the inhabitants of the earth, this day I am raising you up 
Therefore, I am training you. Now ask you, when I come, will I find faith in the earth? The enemy is trying to sever your faith, for that is your lifeline to... Oh, God, help us here tonight. He said the enemy is trying to sever your faith. The shield of faith. He's trying to sever it because that's your lifeline. That's your lifeline to God is faith. And faith without works is dead. Don't let the enemy sever your lifeline. Whatever you must do, do not allow that to happen. Oh, God, help us. Cling to my word. Cling to me like me, like never before. I am requiring blind faith from you. When you walk in darkness, still trust in the light of my promises. Be patient, my children. I love you. And with an everlasting love, I love you so much that I'm training you to stand, to trust in the process of my plan. Thus saith the Lord. God, I know you're doing something amazing. Oh God, will you move on us individually and collectively that we will believe you and that we will trust you and that we will obey you and that we will exercise our faith in the name of Jesus. Lord, don't let your word just fall on deaf ears, but let it take root in our heart. Let it consume us and reign in us. Let it take us into deeper depths and higher height in you, Lord Jesus. God, help us tonight. God, move with us tonight that we will follow you and trust you and do your will. Oh God, I want to be a part of the team, Lord. I want to be a part of the team, Lord. I want to be a part of the team, Lord. I want to please you, Lord God. I don't want my faith to be severed. I want to walk my faith. I want to live my faith. I want to do the will of God. Lord, move on this church that individually and collectively we will walk my faith. We will not allow the enemy to sever our faith. Oh, God, help us in this house. Oh, God, help us to God move in this church like never before. That God, we will understand that we are your people and that you love us and that you're working in us. But God, that we will work with you also and trust in you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, there is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, God, we trust you. Oh, God, we love you and we thank you tonight, Lord God. Jesus, you are our King, oh God. Beside you, there is no other Savior. Oh God, beside you, there is no other Redeemer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. That we will hear your word tonight, Lord. And that it will go deep down into our soul, Lord God. And it will take root, Lord God. And that we will know, God, as we move into 2021, Lord God, our faith, oh God, will increase. And oh God, we will do exploits. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Church, I thank you for just allowing me to just pour out myself before you. To allow God to speak to us. Hear the word of the Lord tonight. Trust in God like never before. Live for him. Don't just be one that just are just a part of it. But get involved and do something. Get involved and strengthen your faith. Your faith. The Lord said he's adding weight so you, you can be strong in faith. Oh, let him have his way in your life. God, as we go from this place, will you bless our families? Bless our homes, almighty God. Pour out your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that you'll fill us with your spirit. For those of us that have not been filled with your spirit, Lord, will you fill us with your spirit that we can live and walk in that armor, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, every piece of that armor, we want to walk in it, Lord God. Every piece of the armor, Lord God, oh, Lord God, we want to wear it, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, strengthen our families, bind us together in unity. Oh, God, help us to grow in truth, to grow in righteousness, and more importantly, to grow in faith. We love you, Jesus. We thank you tonight, oh, God. Oh, God, there is none like you. Come on, I feel like God is touching somebody that has joined us virtually. Whoever you are that's virtually viewing this Bible study tonight, God is speaking to your heart. It doesn't matter if you're in your living room or your bedroom or your kitchen. Wherever you are, just let God have his way with you right there. Just begin to lift your hand and worship God right where you are and just say, God, will you help me? Just say, God, will you help me? I need you, Jesus. I hear your word and now I need your help, Lord God. Right where you are, just begin to call on the name of Jesus and ask him to help you. God is present everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent and he's omniscient. Trust him tonight. He's right there with you. That's God touching your heart right where you are. That's God speaking to your soul right where you are. Just open up yourself to him and worship him and thank him tonight for God wants to do great things in your life. This is your hour. This is our time. These are our days where God will do exploits into us and through us. God bless you, church. Have a Jesus night. And we'll see you back here on Sunday.